0: All right, Claytsey, welcome. So uh, I wanted to talk to you because I do a lot of coaching for people who are interested in writing, want to build writing careers, and unfortunately, like all of that stuff happens behind the scenes. But I wanted to, uh, I want to start doing more like um, of these sessions where. We make it public because a lot of people have the same challenges, the same questions. And I saw, I guess, a week or two ago, a Facebook post where you're, you know, asking for some, uh, you know, feedback or advice on writing. And I thought, well, hey, let's let's do it here, and maybe we can be helpful to you and to a lot of other people. So uh, before we jump into that, though, could you just tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got to where you are now?
1: Yeah, so I'm currently a a master's student at CMU. I'm studying information system management, but my true passion is writing. Um, I studied uh, creative writing as my undergrad, along with statistics major. Um, So I've been writing short stories for four years until I found screenwriting, which I believe I like it a lot more than um, fiction writing. So recently I've started writing scripts. And I think long-term, I really want to become a full-time screenwriter, maybe 10 years later.
0: That's awesome. And so have you done like any training or have you read any books that you thought were particularly good and helpful?
1: Not really. I, uh, I took a course um, during college. So I've learned the basic from my teacher, um, but she didn't really recommend me a book. We didn't go with the curriculum. So that's something that I'm really lacking, I think.
0: And uh, do you have a ballpark of how many screenplays you've read? I've read. You read by other people. Um,
1: very little, I'd say ten.
0: Yeah, that. I mean, that's definitely like I. I was uh, talking about this in my show the other day. My weakness, like I have a novel, and my biggest weakness is like for, I I read way too little fiction. Uh, Mm -hmm. And Stephen King has this advice that he gives all the time where he says that like, if you don't have time to read, you don't have time or the material to write. And particularly in screenwriting, I think that's true because we've all read novels throughout our lives, even if we haven't like completely devoured, you know, a hundred a year. Whereas like once you get into screenplays, that's something that's like less familiar. And there's just a lot of conventions that you only become aware of kind of immersing yourself, particularly into the kinds of screenplays that are getting written and sold now. And so um, I have plans to do more screenwriting in the future. And that's kind of like my first assignment that I'd given myself is, all right, I need to spend like three to six months just reading like, you know, 200 Mm -hmm. to really get my, to get immersed in the world and have a sense of, okay, this is what good work looks like this is what bad work looks like so um okay cool but uh so let's just dive in with um what do you see right now as sort of your biggest challenges in terms of moving towards a career as a screenwriter
1: i actually have a question about reading scripts totally so i find myself reading fiction because I'm familiar with reading fiction seems to be it it comes naturally I start to um, see structures or plots and things I like but reading scripts somehow I always I feel like I've always read it from a read from a viewer's perspective so when when I'm reading screenplays I found it very hard to identify um, structures I like or make comments that's more of the broader theme instead of just making comments like, wow, this is interesting. Oh, characterization here. I don't know. It just seems very hard to me to become, um, to use the writer's perspective when I'm reading screenplays. Do you have any advice on that?
0: That's really interesting. Because um, I, I, I'm sort of the opposite, where it's harder for me to adopt that when I'm reading novels, but easier mm-hmm. in screenwriting, precisely because it's, it's not written for the consumer. So it's kind of like, Mm. I see it almost as like, all right, here's a game plan, right? It's not, it's not the full story. The full story is only once you see the pictures and the actors and so on. Um, I think part of it though, will just happen with experience. Like the more Mm. that you read it, the more you get comfortable with it, the more that it's um, that you have like a uh, structure of like past screenplays in your mind that you can relate it to, the more that you'll naturally adopt that. So, I do think quantity is a big part of it. But w- one thing that I would recommend, and you don't, I, and maybe read, you know, 10 more before you do this, is it's really helpful. I think whether you're writing novels or screenplays that you take at least one call it a masterwork something that like all right this is kind of an example of what like this uh format at its best and really deconstruct it that is um spend you know time outlining it uh Mm. so that you can just see the structure in front of you really breaking down why is this scene here um if it, it If ideally you pick one that's been translated into a movie, it's like, well, why did that scene get cut or why did it get changed? You know, really work out like exactly the mechanics that make it work. Ideally, you want to pick something if you know the kind of genre that you're interested in so that Mm. you can relate it to yourself more. But in other words, the for one of them, just really put in the work and make yourself spend, you know, three or four weeks going over and over it again until you feel like I really understand like how they pulled this off, what kind of thought went into it. And again, you don't have to, and probably shouldn't do that for everything. But after that, you'll really have a sense of what it means to break down a screenplay. And then I think when you start going back to just reading them through, you'll be able to, as you go, identify a lot more and see it more through the eyes of a screenwriter than a consumer. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of like just set one as your big project. And um, because that's something I did when I was working on my novel, Um, I picked a thriller that was in the genre and just really tried to pick it apart and get a feel for, all right, do I understand how the author, like the mechanics, the kind of thinking that would have had to gone into this to make this so impactful?
1: And how do you select screenplays to read?
0: I mean, I have kind of a a couple rules of thumb that I use. So first of all, I want to mix. So Mm -hmm. um, at the beginning, the first thing I did was I wanted to read a screenplay of something that I had recently seen because I wanted to be able to really easily visualize it and have a sense of the difference between what's on the page and what's in the screen. And, what was it for? There was a show I'm blanking on it, but there's like a Netflix show that like each season they have a, a new theme. Um, but it was a really good show. And so that was the first one I did. I watched the first episode and then I watched the, the, the screenplay that, you know, had gotten sold in order to make it. And after that um, I wanted to do, okay, what would it be like to read a screenplay where I haven't, seen it at all. So I'm just reading it as a screenplay. And there again, I think, I think I just basically did a Google search for, you know, best screenplays in the last three years or something, Mm -hmm. and just pick something that sounded interesting. And again, the reason um, I think it's good to go back and study the classics. But in screenwriting, just as in novels, if you write, if you, you know, tried to get published a, um, you know, Dashiell Hammett, who I think wrote in the 50s or something, like mystery novel today, even though that's a classic, like it wouldn't get published because that's just not what the market wants right now. So it's it's worth studying the classics, like, you know, how did The Godfather, or Shawshank Redemption work? Um, But I would be, I would spend most of my time on what are things that have sold in the last five years or really probably even the last three years. And then I would also... S- I also uh, I haven't done this yet, but it's on my radar screen is I want to read stuff that like is uh, unproduced or not selling or like things that are just probably bad Mm
1: -hmm.
0: because I found when I was, you know, thinking about how I wanted to write my novel, I learned a lot from really good works. I learned a ton from bad ones. Because it was, well, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I don't want my characters to talk that way. I don't want to disappoint the audience by having my book end this way. So ha- I would say my overall strategy is just have a mix and I'm just trying to get different things from them. Like I'm trying to get universal facets of good screenwriting. When I go back and read, you know, the Shawshank Redemption screenplay. I'm trying to learn about the current market and how you know people who are Uh, selling and turning out great shows and and movies right by reading current stuff and then I'm trying to avoid pitfalls by um, reading things that are you know let's put it not ready for prime time
1: of the bad scripts you read what's um what what's the what are the common mistakes that those writers make or like, what are the biggest mistakes that I would like try to avoid as a new writer?
0: Well, a couple things that pop to mind, and really, it's just sort of like these are, uh, you know, standard writing advice. Is or let me put it this way: there's scripts that fail for standard reasons, like um, the characters aren't believable or the mm-hmm. plot is convoluted. But I would say the number one thing that I'll point out that might not be obvious is that they're just derivative. It's, I've mm-hmm. seen this before. And, you don't sorry, what w- do
1: you mean by derivative?
0: I mean that it's basically like an idea that's been done, you know, a hundred times. Like, so, okay, let's have the lead character be a really bad guy. And, you know, instead of him ha- being like a New Jersey mobster, maybe he's like uh you know a corrupt shoe salesman i don't know but it the it's basically taking ideas that are currently popular and trying to do like your version of them versus oh this author really has something to say this writer really has a story that they want to tell that came from them and if you have that like um that's that's something that you can't really be taught. Um, that's something you have to discover. Is what is it? What is it that I uniquely have to say about things? And and I would say that two like the biggest divide I see between like the screenplays that are great and get made and get remembered, and the ones that don't is the difference between authors who just want to be screenwriters because it's kind of cool. And so it's like, okay, like I'm going to write my version of Breaking Bad or I'm going to write, Mm -hmm. um, you know, my version of uh, I'm blanking out on movies right now, but you get my point. And then Mm -hmm. the ones who are saying like, no, I have a story I want to tell. And, And that's like... I mean, that really should be the motive, right? Is I want to be a writer because there's something that I want to say. There's a story that I want to tell. And you might not know that at the beginning. And indeed, your own writing at the beginning might be derivative. And that's fine. Like your first screenplay is not going to be the one that is going to change your life. But that's what you want to strive for
1: but that's different from following a common structure for screenplays right so common structure would be something happened there would be a the night of the darkness i'm sorry i forgot the term but it's like everything goes downhill and then the character lost everything that he or she previously owned and that's like turning point. and then afterwards um you start seeing the, the resolution part comes in so it'll be conflict and lost everything and then going back to a, a, a better situation a resolution or finding a, finding something new. That seems to be like a common thing that happens with most of the scripts.
0: Yeah. Structure is a really interesting thing because on the one hand, there are certain universal principles. I mean, if you want to put it in the most abstract way, like Aristotle, you know, like there's a beginning, a middle and an end. And that, If you don't have a beginning, middle, and end, you don't have a story. But there has also been like people who have like um, rules of structure that get so super specific, like you know, save the cat type things, where it's on page ten, you have to have this, this, and um, the the people that I've talked to in the industry, like if they see that kind of thing, if it's a predictable canned structure, then it's that they're not interested in that. Um, Interesting.
1: I learned that in school, actually.
0: Yeah, but it's like that's poison because it's uh, what you really want is to get the kind of essence of a structure. And the essence of a structure is beginning, middle and end. And then it's the way that, um, you know, my screenwriting teacher uh, whom I interviewed in this channel, Corey, uh, put it is that what you really are focused on is a, a structure that evolves organically out of characters facing obstacles and rising stakes so like the basically what you want is a a screenplay where the stakes are getting higher and the obstacles are getting harder to overcome all the way until the end so it should just be building 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 until your climax and if you do that you it's you don't have to think about too much of the um you if you're doing that then it doesn't matter if you like obey certain you know rules about oh this must happen by here or this must happen by here those can be helpful sort of rules of thumb but mm-hmm. they're if if somebody's trying to turn writing into paint by numbers like that's not a good approach to learn
1: that makes sense.
0: But, I mean, there's different views. I mean, I'm, um, you know, there's the kind of uh, hero's journey type idea that, okay, there all of the great stories have this kind of structure of, you know, a hero called to uh, adventure, fighting that call, then, you know, having to go on it, finding a mentor. Blah, blah, blah. And look, I mean, you know, Star Wars was based around that another, you know, famous pieces. Um, But I think of it much more as like, does this have a beginning, a middle and end? And then the middle, um, the the key thing that people get is, or the key mistake people make is typically they have a meandering middle, like things are Mm -hmm. happening, but there's no motion. And the motion can be different kinds of motion, but you need motion. It can be wow it looks like we're going to solve this problem then it all falls apart or it can be like this looks like it's getting harder and harder to solve and we're never going to do it and then we start to get some momentum so if you think about something um like you know the rocky movies it's like mm-hmm. looking more and more and more hopeless and then adrian says do it rocky and he starts training hard and then we build you know the final act so you need movement but um and in that sense, yeah. a middle, you know, is going to have a structure and certain key points, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't look for two concrete rules. This is the other way I think about it. What you want are principles yeah. and principles aren't going to tell you like what to do on page six, or should I have this person die? But, you know, one of the key principles is that I like, I have a character who's after something. And there's forces making it really hard to get that. And that if the character doesn't get that, there's forces making it worse and worse and worse uh, if he fails or she fails. And that's really, I think, the core perspective you need for a story. Just a character with the want and the the obstacles mm-hmm. and stakes they face in pursuit of it.
1: A few questions ago, you asked um, what my biggest obstacle in launching my career is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I still haven't thinking about launching my career because I want, I want to write at least one uh, screenplay that I really like, um, that I think I can put it out to the world. And it will be a feature-length film. Um, that's what I'm thinking. So currently, I'm still struggling to write this feature-length film. And uh, in school, I wrote short films around, like, 25, 30 pages. And my current, my main thing, like, why I'm stuck here is I don't know how to approach thinking about a feature-length film. With short films, I think about two scenes. I think about this is the conflict scene I want to happen, or this is the resolution scene. And this is basically, there's only a few scenes that I can work with. So I think about a very short character development. Um, and then when I start thinking about feature film that takes 200 pages, I just um, kind of lost to where should I even start?
0: Yeah. Well, one thing I'll say just in the, on the first part of it is that I would... So first of all, I think you're thinking about things the right ways. You, don't, you can't launch a career until you think, okay, I'm doing work that's really good. And so you basically have to keep writing until you get, I would say, not one, but two or three Mm. screenplays that are really good, in part because what will inevitably happen is somebody will say, oh, this is great, but it's not a good fit for us. Do you have anything else? And you want to be able to capitalize on Mm. that. So uh, I would definitely think about it that way, which doesn't mean you'll have. You probably have that one screenplay that's like your heart and soul, and that you know you'll be leading with. But having a few things tucked away that you think, yeah, these are solid, uh, I think is really smart. But in terms of um, moving from you know short to long form, so one thing I one thing is the what we were talking about in terms of like really delving, reading more scripts, and then delving into one really deeply, is one of the major insights you gain from that is precisely, okay, what is making this work? And in other words, you know, what is happening that is the difference between two scenes and a whole feature length. And my view, at least this is, this is true in novel writing. I think it's even more true in screenwriting is the way I thought about my novel is like, all right, this novel really has a few, it has to have a few big moments, has, and let's call it like five. And so I try to think, all right, do I know what my five or, you know, plus or minus two big moments are, the kinds of things that people remember? And you can like think of like your favorite movies. There's those scenes that like are what stay with you. And, you know, it's obvious, there's probably gonna be one at the beginning, probably one at the end, and then there's gonna be, you know, some in the middle, And that if I'm trying to plan out a screenplay, I'm one thing I would experiment with some writers, you just have to think like a to B to C to D and so on and think logically step-by-step, but it can be really helpful just to think about, all right, can I come up with kind of like five big moments? And some of them may be provisional, like, um, Let's say you're telling a love story and it's, I know that right in the middle, the two characters are going to meet, let's say. I don't know how they're going to meet yet. I don't know how to make it interesting. I don't know how to make it cool, but I know that's that kind of scene has to be there. So I, I think in terms of big scenes and then everything else is just the connecting tissue. But the main thing is to, uh, know how other writers have solved it and have taken different strategies to solve it. And that's, again, it goes back to this point of like we can't become good until we become really familiar with the field that, you know, we're about to enter.
1: So what if you have an idea of like a message you want the screenplay to send out to the world? You don't have specifically what kind of characters you want to write or what kind of story you will be. How, how would you uh, land this story so that it tells the message you, wanna, you want to send?
0: Well, the biggest, the biggest tool there is Ayn Rand's concept of plot theme. So, mm-hmm. you know, your theme is your abstract message. The plot is the actual, all of the events that constitute your story. The plot theme, as you may know, is like the theme, it's a one-sentence statement of an idea but it's the core action of it so for instance she talked about how with atlas shrugged the theme is the role of the mind in human life the plot theme was the mind on strike and what you'll notice is that if you if you that your plot theme is going to which is the core of action of your story that should you should see uh Oh that like yes this plot theme captures the idea that I want to convey and if there's a division between your plot theme and your theme then you won't have a message you won't be able to carry it through but if you get your plot theme theme right if it does convey a meaning to it then if you're choosing all of your characters scenes in light of the plot theme then you'll have the meaning embedded at every stage of your thinking, you won't have to like sit down and go, wait, am I really, am I really trying to, am I really pulling Mm. off this message? So a big part of it is figuring out, all right, what is the core of action that communicates that would communicate this idea? And that'll infuse then your story with meaning. Now you have to actually execute and make sure that you're, you are carrying out your plot theme in practice. And it can be, uh, easy to lose sight of it, particularly when you're like, oh, I kind of want to go in this direction. And what if this character did this? You have to step back and go, okay, have I changed the plot theme? Because if I have, or if I or if I abandon it, uh, I'm probably losing the meaning from it. And that can be fine. You have to just then search for a different, um, you, you have to think about, well, what theme am I conveying? But if your goal really is, I have something specific I want to say, an idea I want to communicate, the, the way, the only way to do it is to get a to have a story that in its very essence conveys that idea.
1: Mm.
0: And I mean, I actually, and Ayn Rand makes this point that there's no rule about what you come up with when. It's just that ultimately you need to have a theme, a plot theme, and you know, characters and so on. Um, and I I started more with the plot. Idea, like, all right, this would be an interesting plot, and then had to think about, all right, well, what, what is it, what am I really trying to say with this plot? And so it was kind of, I worked backwards to it, um, but you can work forwards. It's the, it's not an issue of order of operations. It's just an order of these are the pieces of the puzzle that I ultimately have to put together. Mm-hmm. So when you're thinking about, like, have so have you thought in terms of, do you have like a specific idea that you're currently thinking about? Well, how do I implement this in a story?
1: Not super sure yet. I think I need to figure out my idea clearly uh, a little bit more before I can say, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, one thing is, that it's, um, it can feel almost paralyzing to some people like, right, What does it even mean to like have something to say? And, you know, if you're writing like an ideological, like I'm, you know, going to write a piece to, uh, take a stance on the abortion issue. Like, all right, well, then that makes it really obvious, but setting aside something that's like, you know, a, a political hot button sort of issue. I find that it, like for me, it more bubbles up from everyday thinking. So like, it's just that kind of like journaling, observing people, like Mm -hmm. asking questions about like what I observe about my life. It's that ongoing kind of daily introspection that doesn't have any purpose except to start to put the world into verbalized terms that if I'm doing that over the span of months, then when it comes time to like, write, there's plenty of material there because I've like now conceptualize the world through my own eyes so much that when I start to build characters and everything, um, like they have a point of view, they have a way of looking at things. Whereas when I was younger and tried to write, it was much more like I'd read a writer who had a definite view, and that would inspire me to write. And all that would come out on the page would be like crappy versions of what they, you know, were saying, or crappy versions of how they thought about life. And so it, so much of I think being a writer who has a point of view and has something to say is just to say a lot to yourself and then when you sit down to create stories all that material is going to be there and it's not like you have to go back and reread your journals but it'll just your mind will have um built up a reservoir of like this is my way of looking at things these are the insights that I've come to; these are the kinds of questions that fascinate me. These are the kind of people that I find attractive or disgusting. And they're, you know, now I can kind of put them on the page, and they're no longer stock characters that I've borrowed from what I've seen on TV or what I've read, you know, in another novel. Because um, that's one of the problems. Is I agree with Stephen King that a writer needs to read, but if all you do is read and you don't observe. And Mm -hmm. judge, then, you know, you at best you end up derivative.
1: Would you say then it's kind of important to talk to people that you don't necessarily like just so you can get a sense of their character?
0: Well, I mean, unless you're really lucky, you're always going to run into a lot of people you don't like. But what I would say is, yeah, Mm -hmm. what is important is that every interaction, viewing it as material. Like so, comedians do this, right? Like m- m- comedian, a comedian's life is basically walking around looking for material. Like, I bought a sandwich. Uh, what can I, what can I use from that? And I think of it the same way as a writer: is that every person you meet, and this is one, it's really helpful because you, you don't get bored that often. Because even when you're in a boring situation, there's material here, right? Like even mm. introspecting what it feels like to be bored. Okay, if I can really pin down what that experience is like. And if you're going to be a screenwriter, you want to think in visual terms, like, what are the kinds of things that a bored person does? Uh, yeah. uh, what kind of actions do they take? Um Uh, And so, yeah, like running into bad people, it's so much about, okay, well, why, why are they such a turnoff to me? Like, what are they saying? What are they doing? How are they standing? Are they like uh, too close putting their arm around me? Like, what are those subtle things? And, and that is so powerful because otherwise, again, you'll sit down and say, all right, I want to make like this really creepy guy. And the only material that will come to mind will be like movie creepy guys, which are usually like cartoonish or something. And you like, no, you need you want it to be like I want people to really understand creepiness in a in a deeper way. If you've articulated that from your experience, and mm. I just assume you probably run into your share of creepy guys, like you you'll you know, that will be that'll all be there for you, and you can, you know get that on the page. So yeah, I mean, just, just having as your mental set, everything is material. Um, And I mean, look, I, I, I didn't, I did not do enough of this in part. I was just more focused on philosophy for most of my career. Um, But like, I just think of how much uh, value I would have gotten if I had been doing that, you know, since the age of 20 or something like You know, you just you'd be sitting in this gold mine that um, is certainly something you can't get from a book, right? Like you can take all the screenwriting classes in the world, but if you haven't been observing yourself, like, and and again verbalizing, trying to put words to these things, um, it'll be really hard when you sit down to write to achieve what you want. Yeah,
1: that's very true. College college experience observing people around me gives me a lot of material. That's very true.
0: Yeah. Well, in college is particularly good again, cause you get such a diverse group of people, right? Like once you're in the work world, there's still a certain kind of diversity, but it's still at least people who picked an industry and are making, you know, probably roughly the same money. I mean, there'll be exceptions, but like it just becomes a narrower universe and there's still a certain narrowness in college, but like, It's you get to see, I think so much and you have much more mental freedom because, you know, in a work world, it's, you get to see it, but mostly it's, Hey, go produce this thing. So I don't fire you. Whereas (laughs) college, it's like, you're basically, your job is to learn and explore and kind of like see things. And so, yeah, I mean, I would definitely take advantage of that for sure. And, uh, and, I mean, part of it is, you know, you get to form relationships with different people who know all kinds of different people. Right. So like you have a network where it's like, all right, I need to tell a story where there's going to be a chef. Oh, yeah. Like Bill's dad is like some, you know, big chef out in Philly or something. I need to talk to him. Like, you know, you also build that just kind of like, you know, arsenal of um, of knowledge and opportunity. uh from there, in addition to just what you can learn through observation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think, like, I mean, it's so interesting, like, what you're studying, because I think it gives you, like, clearly, it, put it this way most writers are much more like humanities types, and that's awesome. But, like, you have access and an understanding of a whole bunch of, you know, things that like would come really hard to somebody. So, I mean, take a show like Billions. Here's a really cool show set in the world of finance. Like it works really well. We haven't seen that in part because most writers have no clue what's going on in the world of finance. And mm-hmm. so like, like I would one thing you can be doing is, you know, all right, what can I take from what I'm, you know, like the kind of like official stuff, the main stuff that I'm studying, what can I take from that that can like I can leverage in my writing? Because that's something that like, you know, gives you a competitive advantage. Oh, here's a, you know, world and uh, uh, that I understand that very few writers understand. Or here's certain skills that I have where I can like data mine in a way that, you know, I could tell a kind of story that they can't tell. So it's, again, everything is material.
1: So you talked about journaling. Is there any like guiding questions that you think about when you're writing journals? One of the things I encounter, um, I haven't been writing journals for a long time because when I was in uh, middle school or high school, when I did journaling, I didn't have writing way too much every day. And I spend way too much time on journaling and I just decided this is not worth it. I can't spend two hours writing stuff. So I just stop it altogether. Um, Yeah, so now I want to get back, but I really want to just write whatever that's useful.
0: Well, I mean, my basic guideline is the number one thing you don't want is for it to feel like a duty. Mm -hmm. And so even if there's kind of a set of like, like imagine there is this ideal set of questions. Well, now it's oh, I got it. it or, or actually, that happened to me. I bought this um, journal created by oh, what's his name? Well, it doesn't matter. But there's this guy created this like really great planner that had like your daily journal questions. And I found like even though they were good questions, I was like I don't want to answer this today. I don't have anything to say on that one today. And so I just didn't use it at all. And so what I do is I sit down and it's whatever I want. And it turns out there's a famous book. I didn't, I've just started reading it uh, called The Artist's Way. And she talks about what she calls three pages a day. And the idea is that you sit down and you just free write three pages on anything, whatever is interesting to you, whatever is bugging you, whatever you observed or curious about. And so that's sort of how I think about it is like whatever's motivating to me right now whatever questions are motivating and you can I, you can, i would poke around and probably google like what are good journal questions cuz you just want to have those available to you if you're stuck like all right i'm stuck today what if i just wrote down like the most exciting you know, the things I'm proudest of that I've achieved in my life so far, or maybe today it's going to be my goals, or maybe today it's sort of like what my ideal romantic partner might be like, like, it'll just, you know, you'll have something you can kind of go to, but I'm very big on writers need to write from a place of high motivation. And Hmm. so I'm like, I used to be very big on, okay, guys, this is the writing process. First, you need to think, then you need to outline, then you need to draft, then you need to edit. And what I realized is a lot of people like didn't like outlining and it stopped them from writing or demotivated them. And I realized, no, 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 that's just a tool. Mm. If your structure is messy and you're not happy with it, go back and outline. But no you should just if you want to dive in and draft like do that follow your motivation and so i'd say the same with journaling is all right here i am i have a structure but my structure is maybe three pages a day or 30 minutes a day like you have something where you've done enough um so that you don't run into the problem you did last time and then it's whatever whatever's on your mind and realize that there's no right or wrong thing like If you do, if you do your three pages or you do your 30 minutes, it's not like, oh, but this wasn't that insightful or something. It's no, I did it. And it's just making it a regular exercise. That's, that's what it means to succeed. Mm.
1: So you also mentioned the writing process. You mentioned that um, outline, draft, and then editing, and then draft again. Um, can you tell me more about the writing process in general? Just I just wanted to know how people would approach it systematically. I feel like I never, I never learned about it in school, and yeah. right now I'm just I'm just more confused than before I started my college.
0: Yeah, well that's why I stress. I don't like the word process because it I think ultimately everybody's process, the steps that they have to go through to produce the end result that they want is Mm -hmm. very individual and very different. Like, I don't know any writer who works exactly like me. And, you know, I don't know any writers who work exactly like them. And so I like to think of it as an effect toolkit. Like what are What are the things that you can use to get you to the end goal that you want? And so, uh, in both fiction and nonfiction, broadly, you have um, thinking, which is all right, I'm not communicating yet, but I'm just trying to like get stuff, like build material, ask myself questions, get clarity. Like maybe I could have a character like this, or it'd be there. This would be a cool scene, or this would be like a good idea for a story that's just sort of like if you want to put it as brainstorming it's really just like you and yourself working with material but then when you're actually talking about a story um you know outlining is all about like all right i'm trying to build a structure here and the structure has to be logically interconnected um it has to you know meet all of the things that a good story has to have and the then there's the the drafting itself which is all right i'm just getting words in a page to try to carry out my idea and i know that it's not going to be good at first uh pixar talks about like every idea is bad and so what your goal is is not to like create something great it's to go from suck to non-suck as they put it which is just delightful um (laughs) but the way that you do that is all right, I have a story. I have I have something rough here in front of me that now I can improve and that's where you edit. And one f- way to think about these tools is that what they're really doing is they are managing the operations of your mind. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, we have a conscious mind and a subconscious. And for each of those, what they reflect is that for different aspects of writing you either have the conscious mind predominantly in control or the unconscious or the subconscious rather so when you're outlining that's a conscious process of like okay does a follow from b follow from c and does it add up to a full story um when you're drafting that's predominantly subconscious you're just trying to like let things fly and really tap in to stuff you know that's in your mind and kind of surprise yourself and and you know, that's, what's going to like breathe life into your characters and create the little details that make a scene unforgettable and give you dialogue. That's like unforgettable, but Mm -hmm. then that's like an unpolished gem. And in editing is where you have to be kind of ruthlessly conscious and go, okay, like, does this character really hold together? Does, is this scene working? If not, why not? And so that's kind of the core of process. There's a lot of like sub processes in there. Like, I mean, in screenwriting, a lot of screenwriters swear by storyboarding, which is a form of outlining, but mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's kind of like visualizing and organizing your scenes. Um, and so there's a lot of kind of like sub processes like those, but I would just think of it as what you want to do is collect a toolkit to help you tell better stories. And so like editing can involve, you know, a sub process of like, all right, here's where I need to get feedback from external people that I trust. Um, and you'll, you'll, you should view things as very experimental in terms of what works for you, uh, until over time you'll, you'll find it. And even then it can constantly evolve. My, my processes change quite a bit from like one book to another one project to another even. And, um, I have certain things that are very common to how I work, but like, you know, it's, it's whatever I judge is going to be most helpful to me in, mm-hmm. in moving towards that end goal, of the story that I think, yeah, this story works.
1: I think I definitely struggle a lot with the conscious pro- process. Um, I think when I judge my own script, I don't judge it well enough as I judge others um yeah do you have any advice on that
0: yeah so this is kind of like one of the hardest parts about writing because what writing is is you're trying to put something on the page that another mind is going to process without mm-hmm. access to anything else that's in your mind yeah right and so it's really hard to be able to distinguish All right is what i'm thinking really on the page I'll give you yeah. one example of an exercise. This is like one of the first exercises we did in the screenwriting class um, that I took with Corey, which was uh, until people know what's going on in your script, they can't care, right? Until they they have a clue, Well, what does this character want? What's going to happen if they don't get it? Why do they want it? Until they can answer those questions and have a coherent sense of what's going on, Corey calls this essential context. Um, they're not going to care and so what he would have us do is all right you have to write these short little pieces where you have to uh they have to supply that essential context of like who these characters are what they want why they're in conflict and what you know will happen uh why they want it what will happen if they don't get it Mm. and then you had to trade it with your partners and they had to go through and answer those questions and if their answers didn't match what you as the author had in mind exactly then okay back to the drawing board so Mm -hmm. the wider point that's a great exercise to try but the wider point is that the way that you'll actually do that is you use your best judgment then you get feedback and over time you'll build your antenna and make it more and more sensitive so that you'll know like 98 percent of the time is this like is this going to land Is this going to work is what I have on the page. There's not like a, like a trick that you can use or like a conscious, like, um, ask yourself this question and then you'll get it. The only kind of trick that people use is to get distance from something. And that, Mm. that does help a lot. And it's one reason why it's good. If you can work on multiple screenplays at a time, Mm. because then you can set one aside when you like, all right, I got a rough draft. I'll come back to it in three weeks or a month or whatever, and I'm going to work on this other one in the meantime. It really will help you get that distance. And and then part of what you should be doing when you come back and edit your material with that distance is it's really good to kind of edit in the third person. So um, the way Leonard Peikoff has described himself editing his writing is he'll sit there and go, what is this guy saying this for? What is he trying? Like he'll refer to himself as if it's another person, and it's like a small tweak, but it really does trick your subconscious into getting a little bit more distance from uh, what you've written and be able to see it a little bit more through the eyes of um, a reader who's not you. But Mm -hmm. those distance and and kind of um, third personizing, if you want to put it that way, those are helpful. But in the end, I think it's mostly about uh, time and feedback from others until you'll internalize that.
1: Okay. Um, Also, I apologize. My cat is always around me. Can you, does the headphone pick up the cat's noise?
0: No, I can't hear it. And it's totally okay. Because my cat is almost always in that chair over there. She just, I guess she's ignoring me too. Oh, I guess, no, I left a pillow in that chair. So she probably... (laughs) <laughs> she probably got frustrated and ran away in rebellion, but no, you're <laughs> totally forgiven. I have not, uh, except for the, except for the one walk by we got, I have not <laughs> that, been that's aware. Great.
1: She just, um, she makes a lot of noises because she's old. So when she's breathing, she's still making noises. So I was a little worried. She's on my lap right now. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, you talked about the screenwriting class that you've taken. Could you tell me more about that and do you recommend that for me?
0: So I definitely would recommend like um, in as a general rule some people kind of go I think overboard and they they spend more time studying like how to write screenplays than they do reading screenplays and writing them mm. um, but I would read like one or two probably of the classics and I'm uh, the story by um Robert McKee is like a a really good classic about structure and things. So you, you want to, I recommend reading at least a few books just to get a feel for, there's, there's often great advice in them, but it's also just helpful to know the vocabulary of how stories talked about and thought about by other people. But like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't read more than five in my first couple of years. But then in terms of classes, I was skeptical of taking classes. I've never um, in, in the fiction world encountered a good class. Mm. But I heard an interview with this guy, Corey Mandel, when I was working in my novel and was astonished by how much he was able to name exactly the kinds of experiences and problems I was having. Mm -hmm. And so I said, all right, I got to take this guy's class. And it was transformative. Like he thought his approach to teaching was not like, here's the rules of writing or even here's the principles of writing. What he did is said, here's the skill sets that you need to have in order to be a screenwriter who sells. And this is a guy with a lot of credibility because he's both like, like sold a lot of screenplays. And helped a lot of other people who have sold a lot of screenplays. So it's not like you're, you know, your friend giving you advice. Like this mm-hmm. is somebody who understands the market, understands the skill set, has the skill set, but in particular knows how to teach it. So it's here's the skills that you need and here's exactly the exercises you need to do to develop those skills. Hmm. And bar none, it was the best thing I've ever done to kind of move forward my ability to tell stories. And so, um, I mean, he does them remotely online. So I, I highly, I definitely watched the interview I did with him. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I highly encourage it. I think, uh, there's anybody who really wants to make a go at screenwriting. I think, um, can benefit a lot from it, or at least I'll say I certainly benefited. And I think it's not unique to me. I think his way of thinking about things and teaching them is, um, superior to everything else that I've encountered.
1: Wow. And, um, plus,
0: uh, I'm sorry to interrupt, but one thing is plus you'll meet a lot of other students and you get to know a lot of them. And that's, it's really helpful to start building those relationships and have that encouragement mm-hmm. and be able to get that help, you know, from people early on. So I, I found that really exciting and and useful.
1: And you do these advising sessions for, for writers who want to do screenwriting
0: for basically writers. Most people come to me for nonfiction writing advice, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, um, to the extent I feel like I can help them uh, fiction and nonfiction and, and some screenwriting, but screenwriting is the area where I've done the least. Like, I mean, I have a, you know, novel that's going to be published. I don't yet have like a, a sold screenplay, but it's, it's something I'm interested in doing more of because by nature, I'm actually more um, more suited to screenwriting and that dialogue is my strong suit, not like yeah. description and so on. Um, I feel
1: the, the same way. <laughs>
0: yeah. And so like, all right, well, why don't I pick, why don't I pick the thing that is like more geared towards my strengths, but the, but the, the, I mean, there's, even though there's that kind of like, oh, great. All you have to focus on is really the story and the dialogue and not like building a whole visual and internal world and so on. Um, the, my, the author of my favorite thriller, I Am Pilgrim, this guy, Terry Hayes, he had been a screenwriter and he described the difference between writing novels and writing screenplays. Is, in novels, you're, is not, writing novels is like swimming in the ocean. Writing a screenplay is like swimming in the bathtub. And the idea is that in a screenplay, like every word, every scene like has to count. It has to do a lot of work. Whereas in a novel, like you just have infinite space to kind of like build things and, you know, see it from every angle and have, you know, 10 pages of dialogue to draw out different points and so on. Whereas in a screenplay, you might get like one sentence has to do the work of what's an entire Mm -hmm. scene in a book. And so it's, you know, it's presents its own unique challenges, even though there's this wonderful benefit of like, you know all I have to do is like give the words and the core actions and the rest Mm -hmm. is left to the actors and the director and so on.
1: Oh, uh, my original question about the the advice from advising sessions from you is, do you kind of provide mentorship? Um, How do you structure these sessions and how do you, for example, how would, how would I be able to utilize these?
0: Well, what I usually do is um, I have kind of two kinds of people that I work with and uh, there's kind of young people getting started who basically uh, just do it for free and you know as, as much as possible because um, my goal is really just like help people who share my ideas and values become successful communicators. And then for like official clients, It's very individualized, but it's basically, you know, I mean, right now it's running $200 a session. That's just like one hour to work on whatever they want, or uh, if they need feedback on a a certain kind of piece. Um, But if there's anything else you need, you you can definitely follow up um, afterwards and we can talk about it. But like I said, it's just very individualized. And, um, you know, I'm, I, I try to go out of my way to like, particularly when people are getting started, because it's very hard to find, it's very hard to find good advice. And often that good advice is, um, really expensive. So, you know, I, uh, that's why I have my kind of bifurcated, um, thing. And so, uh, for all of, for all of my paying clients just know that you're you're doing good in the world by subsidizing <laughs> my uh, <laughs> my other work.
1: Um, and just I think we're about time, but I have one last question. You talked Absolutely. about um, you attended a screenwriting class, and you have a lot of experience uh, in nonfiction and fiction writing. And I assume that you probably had different ways to improve yourself. I just want to um, ask like what would you what are the components that you think are important to have as like I started to build out my um, writer's life I call it so I would want to have a group of people like peers who can workshop my work and I workshop theirs and then I ideally I want to have a mentor who can give me advice and then start growing Um, and then I'm also thinking about screenwriting classes just to learn everything systematically so there seem to be a lot of different ways to approach this um what would you say are like the most necessary essential ones and how these different components benefit you
0: yeah i mean it's a really good question so i'll say a, a few things so number one you just the first thing is just to have your eye on the ball like what what's really important and it sounds like you are focused on the right thing, which is like, how do I get the feedback to help me like tell the best stories? Uh, a lot of people get sidetracked with like superficialities about like, oh, wow. how do you get an agent or how do you get a manager? Or Should I move to Hollywood? It's like, no, no, no. First, just become incredibly <laughs> good at telling stories. If you're incredibly good, all of that stuff is easy. And if you're not incredibly good, all that stuff is impossible and it doesn't matter at all. So it's cool. like you become really good. And so, uh, definitely if I was going to boil it down to one thing that has worked for me, and it's the only thing that really worked for me um, at the highest level is getting feedback from people who know what they're doing. And mm. so like workshopping with like peers and everything can be really good. Um, but only if you also have a mentor who you can come to who really knows what they're doing and can come say no they're full they're full of shit like they don't know what they're talking about here because what happens is young writers learn a lot of rules and then they start judging you by rules that they don't really know how to apply and like they don't have the context to know like like they'll tell you oh no you have to have your inciting incident by page three and it's like
1: Mm
0: -hmm. what if i have a damn good reason not to do that like and and a good mentor will be able to say no ignore that but when they told you that like this character is not believable at all, yeah, that's right. Like, so you can get a lot of value from peers, but just be warned, just because they say something doesn't mean it's true because they're probably judging you according to a set of rules that aren't contextualized in their mind yet, in the same way that you know, you're probably gonna make some mistakes in how you judge them. So mm. that feedback is good because it gets you out of it, it gets something that's external to your head, but at the end of the day, you, what you ideally want, and this can be hard to come by, but this is uh, the, the gold mine when you can get it is a real professional, um, or at least somebody who has like very advanced knowledge and can help you I, and, and most of what you want from them is help identifying your blind spots and then helping you come up with a plan of action like to work on them. And so uh, like a real professional can probably, you know, it's not like they have to spend hours reading your work or something, you know, more than likely they can see three pages and tell you what you need to do over the next six months to like reach the next level. So definitely I think looking out for those mentors, even if they're kind of informal one-off things like, Oh, I happen to, you know, have a friend who knows like, Joe Blow, the, the the screenwriter or something. Um, I get one evening, like, how do I make the most of it? You, you search for those people who know what they're doing and get what you what you can from them. And for me, that like in the world of nonfiction, I mean, it took me the better part of a decade of getting regular feedback from people who are much more advanced than me in order to get to where like, okay, now I can do the kind of work that I really want to do. Um, and then with my novel, I just, you know, I took that class from Corey and that was super helpful to like get individualized feedback from him. And then I was very fortunate to find some good editors for my novel who were really able to raise it up to the next level. But no, I think you got all the pieces in mind. I think if you just focus on, look, my goal right now is to build my skill set, identify my blind spots and stop them from holding me back. Um, And then the, the last thing I'll add is then all you need is patience. So mm-hmm. it like, if you're on that trajectory, then the only thing that can kill you is rushing. Like people, th- this is the thing that's different between Holly. One thing that's different between Hollywood and and the publishing book, publishing world in the book publishing world. If I write a novel and it gets rejected, they'll look at my next novel and they'll look at my next novel, and I can keep getting those rejections, and that's fine. In Hollywood, it's if you start getting, uh, you know, bad comments on the stuff you're sending out to readers, that all goes into a database, and that could really, like, put up a uh, barriers to you ever getting anything read and sold. So it's like you don't want to start doing that until somebody who knows what they're talking about says oh you definitely should be sending this out like mm. um, you, you 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 it you'll you probably won't regret waiting a little bit longer um, whereas there's more to regret kind of launching too soon that's uh, that's kind of a universal thing I've heard from um, the people I know in screenwriting so like it's just all right, I'm on the track, I'm on the process. And if it takes you know, five or eight years, that's cool because five or eight years is going to pass and I'm still going to be super young. I can have a great career. Let me just get really good. Mm-hmm. Well, awesome. I wish you the best on the super fun journey and uh, definitely feel, to, feel free to reach out in the future with any questions or uh, things that you need help with.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for all of these. I I need time to digest all of them. They're all great advice. Absolutely. Thank you so much for hosting this session.
0: My pleasure. Take care.